We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a tech-savvy royal family. Yes, yes, ever since the palace became Wi-Fi enabled, it's become so easy to use the Name Your Price tool on Progressive.com. I do agree, my queen. Simply telling it what we want to spend and seeing all our policy options, I'll send a screenshot to Duke, the Duke of Kent. No, my friend Duke, we're in a group chat together, LOL. It's easy to find insurance that fits your budget with the Name Your Price tool at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. 
That day is February 24th, 2016. I'm DJ Trainer, joined as always as I am on Wednesdays by Josh Hayes. You can find Josh on Twitter at JoshHayesFS. You can find myself at TrainerDJ. As always, this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. And you can also find it on the RotoWire website itself. Josh, we're out of the All-Star break. The trade deadline has passed. We're humming along here. Uh, we had five games that we're going to go over from Tuesday's slate. And then we'll go ahead and preview some breaking news looking ahead to this Wednesday slate. Overall impressions post-trade deadline, things are, you know, we're obviously not in the home stretch yet, but things are starting to get a little more clear. Um, any overarching thoughts that you have on the NBA season this far? Uh, you know what? It's weird because I, I feel like, we, you know, how we were pumping the whole Jabari. What's wrong with Jabari? What's wrong with Jabari? And I feel like from my talk with you that Waylon was like hanging tough in the in the Jabari camp. You know, like it's going to happen. It's going to come around. And we were like, no, put this guy on the six man on on the eight man rotation off the bench or, or trade him for a piece that fits. And now Waylon is like riding high. Is is what I, is that is that sort of the feeling that you get? Did he come in on a horse any at any point this week, or what's no, going on? No, Waylon actually joined the dark side about a month ago. Oh yes, and he is one of us. So he is actually commiserating in that Jabari Parker is doing well. And uh, of course, if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, nobody on this podcast really enjoys Jabari Parker and thinks that he's not going to live up to his second overall pick potential. Um, so sorry if you like Jabari, but I don't know. I just don't. The Bucks really haven't progressed anybody. You know, Tobias Harris, Brandon Jennings. Yeah, they're good, they're good, play, good player players. Bucks just don't really live out their own potentials of their young players. So uh, there it is. Check it off if you're playing the drinking game. Jabari Parker reference number one. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and just jump right into it, Josh. There's a lot of interesting little tidbits in each of these games from last night. And let's kick it off with the Orlando Magic beating the Philadelphia 76ers in a high-scoring game, 124 to 115 most notably here out of all the performances is Nikola Vucevic I think that he's arguably one of the most underrated centers in the entire league he goes to over 35 points last night only nine rebounds which is not that great for him nine and nine from the free throw line but when we're talking centers here what is where does he match up in terms of best centers in the league where are you going to draw the line is it Drummond Dwight Howard and then can we put somebody like Vucevic in there you know where does Vucevic stack up in your mind well you know what i always like to say dj is like some people prefer prada some people prefer vucci you know and um Jeez, yeah <laughs> you like that i tried to, i've been trying to work that in. So here's the thing is that what people don't know is um that's not planned whatsoever. Like he didn't know I was talking about Vucevic, but he just has stock cards. And so in the background, <laughs> while I'm setting while I'm setting Josh up for a question, I just right. imagine him flipping through a notebook like, "Oh, Vucevic, Vucevic, V V T U V Vucevic, Vucevic Prada joke." Here we go. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, there's no cards, man. It's all freelance. You know what I mean? It comes okay. with a talent. It's also okay. you know what? Okay. We're 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 Air our quotes. full. 15 man deep talent. Yeah, comparing centers to high fashion purses is one of the many talents that got me to Rotor Wire, and I'm and I'm proud to say so. Um, but in all honesty, too, just like, okay, I'm I'm sitting on the page. 
I'm, I filter by all players in my Yahoo League, and I'm going to talk about true center. So I'm not going to talk about these four center eligible guys, and then well, I'm just going to say is a better center. Okay, you know, who you, you want to just examine this for like fantasy value for this season? Is that the fair way to do it, or like just who I like? You know, uh, um, I was thinking more of who you like because I think Vucevic, you know, if we're going to dig into the nitty gritty here, is somewhat mm-hmm. limited in terms of helping you out in other areas like blocks, assists, and steals. Whereas somebody yeah. like an Al Horford is going to help you out a lot more. Um, I, you know, I guess I, I was thinking more broadly. What do you think in terms of fantasy? I, I do think that he's at you know, more of a middle tier. Um, yeah. But yeah, go, go ahead and break it down s- however you want to. He's like second team if we were talking about teams in terms of five. You know, so I could come up with like five centers that right now for sure that I would definitely have to prefer over him. And then so we're talking about like Cousins, um, Brooke Lopez, uh, Whiteside, Gasol and Towns would be in that group. And then then you get into the second tier. And so he's hanging in there with like Greg Monroe, uh, Derek Favors. Um, I don't know if you want to consider Porzingis a center. I personally don't I think he's a, he's a four and is going to remain at the four. As long as they have Rolo, and I think that's a better fit for him because he's a guy who's going to shoot shoot away from the rim quite a bit, and you don't want that so much for offensive rebounding purposes in my mind. So then you know who you have like Marcus Sol, who's no longer under consideration uh, anymore since he's injured, and like Gortat and Gobert. So I think he's firmly in the six to ten range, whether you're talking about real life NBA or for fantasy purposes. Um, but any given day, he can do this, go for like 35 points and, you know, and just beast on a team because he has a, a nice inside outside skill set that, that, that plays. And I also like the fact that he's a fairly decent free throw shooter, 76% of the season for, um, uh, a, a center. I just, all I want him to do is average 10 rebounds per game and maybe block a few more shots. The shot blocking is just probably not something that's ever going to be in his skill set. Um, but the, the rebounding can, can be improved, although it's going to be tougher with Aaron Gordon, uh, with com- Aaron Commissioner Gordon, I would like to say. Uh, I put that on 120 Sports yesterday, so I'm patenting that. Um, uh, because Aaron Gordon is a double-double monster supreme right now. So, yeah, 6 to 10 is the answer to your question. All right, so let me get real specific here. A couple guys that you didn't mention specifically. There's a lot of centers out there. Um, in terms of fantasy, because this is the Fantasy Basketball Podcast, uh, let me know um, who would you rather have. So would you rather have for the rest of this season, Vucevic or Dwight Howard? Vucci. I, I, don't, I don't play the whole part-time players thing. I know Dwight Howard's been playing more as of late, but I, I don't want to put up with the free throw percentage. I've never drafted in, I don't know, how many years has Dwight Howard been in the league? At least 10. I haven't drafted him in 10 years. Uh, I'm not going to start now. And I, I, I think he's a whiny crybaby too. Like just from a fan, uh, NBA viewer perspective, it's horrible watching him overall being like one of the most athletic centers in the game and, you know, gets limited by his, you know, offensive repertoire and his you know and and the one thing i actually do take pride in now is watching teams appropriately apply the hack of the white strategy when when they should and catch up in games where they have a lead because he's so terrible from the line so um that's the only thing that i that's like a redeeming factor for me he should be arguably one of the top two three centers in the game and he's not for for various reasons because you know he isn't tough mentally or physically hasn't improved can't shoot free throws I don't know. That's just starters for me. You know, loves to rack up keys. 
wines right. too much. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. But man, sometimes he just goes out there and just has massive performance. It's just <laughs> mammoth performances where other which should make you mad. Which which yeah, should make right. you mad because you know that's the upside and that's what's possible. And really, it's Harden and nobody else on that roster. So it should be a two man beast fest, and it's not because you can't trust him. He's not reliable. Yeah, Howard is easily one of the most frustrating players in the league, both in fantasy and in real life terms. One more question, Josh, and I want to throw at you. These questions are so interesting because Vucevic stays so healthy and he's so consistent for you. He's really not going to have an off night where he only puts up two points and and five rebounds. He's a double-double. He's a perennial double-double threat. Um, And so... Like I said, he's only missed three games. Talking about somebody who's playing part-time of late, playing off the bench of late, um, more definitely more a double-double threat here, uh, but also give you some blocks. What about Vucevic or Hassan Whiteside for the rest of the season, knowing that Whiteside is still off the bench, his minutes are somewhat being monitored, but when he's on the court, he's putting up double-doubles with you know five blocks a game, four blocks a game. Uh, I think right now is the exact time you want to get invested. If you can, if you're talking about having to pull the trigger today on Whiteside because Bosch is out, and now now they have a significant need um, at the in the front court for somebody to get offense and produce on both ends and play 30 plus minutes. Now he doesn't have to take a backseat to Bosch, so that's perfect for right now. If they were, if it was a healthy roster and or a new Bosch was coming back sooner than later, then I take Vucci for consistency. All so right. um, that's how I have that shaken out. Very cool. Uh, moving back to the Magic box score, you already mentioned Aaron Gordon. He is flying high, doing very well. If you haven't picked him up, go do it now because it looks like he's locked into that starting power forward spot. The interesting dynamic uh, that I want to take a look at here, uh, Ilyasova looks like he's just going to be a guy off the bench. More so what I'm concerned about is the relationship between uh, Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo, and Brandon Jennings. Now, when this trade first went through to bring Jannings uh, and bring bring Ilyasova to Orlando, I kind of thought that they had to get rid of Peyton or they had to get rid of Oladipo. Now it seems that that trade was more so a salary dump because they're going to be relieved of the contracts of Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings. But in terms of fantasy, does it look like Brandon Jennings is going to be the odd man out here as he only plays 11 minutes off the bench, whereas you have Peyton... Um, Peyton plays 20 minutes, but his minutes are obviously hurt by Jannings, and Oladipo's humming along just fine. So I guess if I had to stack him out, and please disagree with me if you think otherwise, is I'd go Oladipo, Peyton, and Jennings, but Peyton certainly did take a hit with this trade. Um, yeah, I think you hit on all points. You're four for four, but what I will say is this trade also puts uh, Alfred Payton on notice because he really hasn't had anybody to push him, push behind him overall. Although they did decide to sort of make Oladipo that guy because they had the luxury of playing Tobias Harris and Evan Fournier together in the starting lineup if they wanted to. Now they don't, um, so they really had to get somebody else to push him or to have a better, um, you know, option behind him. I still feel like Alfred Payton can be the future, but. As it is right now, Brandon Jennings is, a, is a, already a better offensive weapon. So I think it's going to like sort of come down to um, whether or not Alfred Payton can be a consistent point guard producer. Because if he's not, they have no reason to like give Brandon Jennings a shot to see if they want to if they want to move forward with him in the offseason. Because he is going to be a free agent, and so you know after two years' time, you should have a good gauge with hey, my point guard is trending upward, and we love the future that we have with this guy. Or we might need to go in a different direction. The directions can certainly be Jennings in the offseason if he shows well. So um, I think this is actually trouble for Alfred Payton. If he doesn't, he has to he has to ball. 
the rest of the way to hold his to hold his job. And so we're going to know one thing or another about Alfred Payton when it's said and done. Either they you know make a move in free agency or draft another point guard. Whatever the case is, this is acquiring Brandon Jennings as one of the key pieces that you get back for uh, you know a a reasonably uh, signed Tobias Harris contract is disturbing if I'm an Alfred Payton or if I am Alfred Payton or if I'm a pirate who looks like Alfred Payton. <laughs> and there are many are there are many pirates out there that look exactly like Peyton. So yes, very apropos of you to bring that up. Uh, let's keep it moving here, Josh. To the New Orleans Pelicans Washington Wizards game, the Wizards thoroughly beat down the Pelicans, one hundred nine to eighty nine. Talk about disturbing is this Pelicans box score in that all five starters failed to reach double digit points, and yes, Anthony Davis started last night and so what this tells me is you know we put i mean injury bugs have hurt new orleans undoubtedly but i just if you're a superstar you cannot score only nine points on three of nine shooting when you're losing a game i just don't understand anthony davis we were ready to anoint him uh anoint him as the new mvp coming into this year obviously he's still producing just fine but I don't know. It's just such a disturbing performance for me. Now, that said, he did get 20 rebounds, so so right. it's it's not all terrible. But I just think that uh, he's not quite good as good on the offensive end as we made him out to be this preseason. I think some of this is related to the fact that this roster is terrible, first of all. you know, And um, I think that you should have had to have known that there was going to be concerted effort for him to like face just double team after double team or like, you know, constant uh, defensive attention after nobody wants to get be the second person to get posterized for 50 following the first poster, you know? So I always knew that it was going to be somewhat tougher, but we also thought that he was going to be like a, a, just like a higher grade um, NBA player that, you know, can, can do what Russell Westbrook does, which is like turn out a week straight of 30 plus or 40 plus points and not blink. I think the one thing that Anthony Davis hasn't learned yet from his game um, that like somebody like DeMarcus Cousins or some other bigs, for example, have learned is that when your outside game isn't falling, you have enough tools in your toolbox to just crush people in on the inside. And you didn't see that happen. You saw him sort of just like, you know, go three of nine. And the other thing, too, that I have to say, aside from, you know, just like the, the nine shots, this game, like he needs to do what other people do, which is – I don't want to keep comparing DeMarcus Cousins or some of the other bigs is, or, or Kobe. It's just like literally demand the ball, like demand the ball to the point right. where like you look like you're going to punch a teammate. If, how do you get nine touches in a game on that offense? That, that is, you, you need um, you know, you know, Alonzo G to be taking more shots than you or something like that. It doesn't make any sense to me, and that's where he needs to step up and assert himself as a leader and be like, hey, um, you know, I'm – I need the I need the ball or, you know, you can't even say he's guilty of overpassing because he only had three assists in the game and only turned over the ball three times. So it's like befuddling to me. And I think it shows like a lack of leadership from him and also like short sidedness in terms of coaching. I, I, somebody should be getting ripped if you if you have like, you know, Norris Cole taking more shots than and Dante Cunningham taking eight shots while Anthony Davis takes nine. You know, so, the, so somebody should know that there's something wrong with that picture. Yeah, and you could even point to the coaching staff. I mean, if he's easily your best player, you have to find ways to get him more shots. On this particular team, there's no reason for him to be taking less than even 15 shots per game, I would say. Um, and, you know, just. Kobe would of, never let that ride, ever. 
Who wouldn't? Kobe. Kobe, yeah. Kobe. <laughs> Kobe's the wrong guy to ask. I mean, before the, let's see, the 10 games, 10 games coming into last night, uh, he had attempted at least 14 shots in every single one of those games. And, of course, against Detroit, he attempted 34 shots. So I'm not sure if he was just a little embarrassed that he attempted so much, wanted to spread the wealth. Maybe he has an own personal cap where he only you know, can shoot too much in a two-game span. I don't know what it was. It's just so odd to see somebody attempt 34 shots one night. Two nights later, you attempt nine. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just weird all around. Omar Ashik was, or is going to be out for a couple weeks, so that meant Alexis Ajinka moved into the starting lineup. Only played 17 minutes, though. What you ended up having was Davis playing portions at center. Ryan Anderson can also play portions at center, although it's not necessarily ideal. But Kendrick Perkins came off the bench for 18 minutes. Kendrick Perkins was just on just on the bench, period. And not only did he come into the game, but he came into the game for 18 minutes. So that's a scary sight to be had. In terms of fantasy, Josh, is there anybody outside of Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and Ryan Anderson that you even really care about for the rest of the season on this team? Um, I care about the smoothies at the Smoothie King Center. Sure. Um, that's about it. You're, yeah. I don't think you can make a case for anybody else. I would actually just limit it to, to you know, Ryan Anderson in spots, you know, while he's running well and when he, you know, gets, you know, ticked up in terms of production. But he's inconsistent too as well. And, like, as long as they refuse to, like, give him starters minutes, I don't know what, what, why they feel like Ashik has to, has to start and has to play a certain number of minutes when they can naturally move Anthony Davis to the five and let you know Ryan Anderson be the perfect complement. Why? Why that makes sense to no one is beyond me. You know, with that barren roster, like we, oh, we don't want to mess up our bench rotation. How about because your starters blow? Well, you start with that. You know, your starters are garbage. You're losing games. You have a absolute weapon of an offensive player, probably your your second best score, and you want to handcuff him to the bench for 24 minutes. Blows my mind. So I mean. They deserve whatever they get for the, for the way they're doing things between letting Anthony Davis ride with nine shots and um, insisting on bringing Ryan Anderson off the bench. Yep. All right. So looking at this Washington Wizards team, only one facet of their team dynamic do I really want to focus on. And, of course, that's Markeith Morris is coming off the bench behind Jared Dudley in this particular game. Dudley saw 27 minutes as a starter. Markeith saw 22. And Markeith's first three games with the Wizards, he's averaging 22 minutes per game, which is, you know, not terrible, but only six points, three rebounds, an assist to steal LeBlanc. And no three-pointers. He hasn't even attempted, or rather, he's attempted six three-pointers and hasn't made any of him. So I guess that this is how it's going to be for the rest of the season with this Wizards team. Uh, am I wrong, Josh? You see Dudley starting and Markeith coming off the bench as a scorer? I, you know what? That's another mismanagement of resources in my mind, but I won't be surprised if they did that. You know, um, they they still feel like somehow Bradley Beal, who's their second best scorer, should come off the bench. So why would you do anything else that would make more sense like that? You know, so, um, yeah, I think that's basically what we're talking about is, you know, another sort of like situation too where you're not even going to really care too much about Markeith Morris or his, you know, resources because he doesn't rebound enough. And he if he doesn't get the scoring done, then you're going to hate the lines that he produced. So I'm I'm thoroughly disappointed with that. But that that's just seems like what they're uh, destined to do. 
All right, Josh, these last two topics have really gotten down. You're really I know. Just not happy. How about we cheer you up, my friend, and talk about your Sacramento Kings winning <laughs> against the Denver Nuggets, 114 to 110. What a slugfest it was, 114 yeah. to 110. Rudy Gay gives you 16. DeMarcus Cousins, 39. Then you get 14 off the bench from Caspi, 10 off the bench from your rookie Willie Colley sign. Absolutely mm-hmm. a big fat zero from Quincy AC, but that's all right. He only played 13 minutes. Ben McLemore continues to start. Seven points in 13 minutes is, is not terrible whatsoever. Why he's starting, I don't know. Why AC is starting, I don't know. But <laughs> if we want to talk about team dynamics, is this your best starting five for the Kings? Rudy Gay, Quincy AC, DeMarcus Cousins, Rajon Rondo, and Ben McLemore? Um, probably, yeah, I think so. I think that is the, the, the best starting five. Like uh, in some spots, I would like them to see, I would like to see um, them play like Omri Caspi in the starting lineup when they can sort of let him actually, you know, or or Rudy Gay play a little bit of stretch four and combine those two. And then in some spots, I would like them to see, like, if it really made sense for them to match up against two big bigs, then, you know, throw a really Collie Stein in there. But Quincy Acey is like a more aggressive defender, believe it or not, than um, a uh, than Willie Collie Stein or just more of a veteran player. He, I think he understands the whole help defense aspect a little bit better, which matters none for anybody but Kings fans. Um, but yeah, I. The, I think the short answer is for now, yes, because I actually like what's happening uh, with the eight-man rotation. With the exception, I think I want more more minutes from Omri Caspi. But there, you know, a lot of these we already have two starters com- coming in with limited minutes, and Ben La- McLemore and Quincy AC playing less than thirteen minutes. So I don't know how much more you can tick them up in terms of production. But this is a very nice um, a setup overall, and there are pieces that can that are interchangeable. And like I said, all season long, like this doesn't necessarily show up in the box score, but Darren Collison is the de facto too. You know, comes off the bench, but plays 32 minutes and plays the entire fourth quarter. Ben McLemore doesn't do anything besides, you know, make sure all his, his warmths are buttoned up um, in the fourth quarter. So just keep that in mind when, you know, you, if you own Ben McLemore, you think that he's, Oh, he's back. He's starting to play. No, Darren Collison is the two. Darren Collison is the backup one who also plays twos in the second half. So there you have that. Now on the Denver side of things, to um, Nikola Jokic, to me, I guess still is showing that, like I guess in terms of overall preference, he's the player that you want to own if you have to own one front court guy on this roster. Once again, Demarcus Cousins did his thing and got him into big time foul trouble. So uh, that's one sort of like loophole that he's going to, cl- to going to have to close. He's only six ten. Uh, which is kind of small for a center, but he plays pretty big. And, you know, you do like the fact that he double-doubled with 13 and 13 um, in, in this game. But the problem is, is like, you know, you, you see, look at some of the game logs, it's like six fouls, five fouls, five fouls, four fouls. So, which is why you people keep getting invested and are interested in Joffrey Vern uh, off the bench. And I did listen to the uh, the Denver broadcast, and they did say, um, I think I actually messed this up just, just now, but it's Jokic, like, yo, what's up? And Laverne instead of Lavernier, like I've been mispronouncing all season long. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I think yeah, you're right. It's Jokic and it's it's Laverne instead of Lavernier, um, and then it's Nurkic. Jusif, I don't even know. Is it? I think it's Yusuf Nurkic. Anyways, the point being, I actually like all three of those guys. By the way, I don't. Yeah. We nobody has ever really known how to pronounce any of their names. 
But I think that Denver is going to be involved in a summer trade because they have too many assets. So we're talking about those three centers, and you did a great job saying that it does sound like it's going to be Jokic is going to be the guy moving forward. Even though at points last season, Nurkic did a very good job and Laverne did a very good job filling in for both of those guys earlier this year. I think you can't have three centers on your roster. You've got to trade one of them. And then you look at this Will Barton situation and where Mike Malone loves Gary Harris. Um, and, you know, we talked about earlier with the Kings, starting is overrated. It's all about the minutes. Um, so Barton is still seeing about the same amount of minutes as Gary Harris. If you truly feel that Gary Harris is that important to be on the court for 25 minutes and just get rid of Barton, you know what I mean? Or get rid of Danilo Gallinari and move Barton into the starting lineup. I just think there's too much depth. You know, you have, you have multiple layers of depth of nice young talent on this Nuggets team not to move them away, bring in a bigger piece. Um, so that's something to look forward to. As for now, it looks like it's Jokic, and it looks like Gary Harris will continue to frustrate Will Barton owners who jumped on him earlier in the year. Uh, nice spread of the box score. I will say I was very disappointed that Gallinari did not attempt more threes and make more threes because Sacramento is by far the worst team at defending the three. And so I know that his ownership percentage on DraftKings and other sites were, were pretty high um, because of that simple fact. But he only attempted four, so that was very disappointing. Uh, but otherwise, you know, they had, let's see, four... They had eight players score in double digits, and they and they didn't come away. So essentially, all but two players who saw action in a Nuggets uniform last night scored double digits. Pretty good. Uh, last thing I do want to say is, looks like DJ Augustine is going to see time over Jameer Nelson. So if you're in very, very deep leagues, and you're trying to order washed-up point guards, apparently, according to Mike Malone, it goes DJ Augustine first and Jameer Nelson second. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um... Uh, the, that I want to say, yeah, like DJ Augustine uh, and Jermaine Nelson has been placed on notice as you are officially like you know towel waiver benchman supreme. You don't trade for DJ Augustine just so he can you know be the um, the fifteenth guy in my in my mind. Even though it is for Randy Foy who was who maybe potentially just as uninvolved in the offense as anybody on Denver. The uh, one thing I wanted to mention that's semi-unrelated to or related to what you were talking about with Bar- Will Barton, I think I finally figured out exactly why Will Barton is in the role that he is, as talented as he is, is because he has a complete lack of team concept when he's on the court. Um, he wants to go one-on-five like Jordan every single time. If you ever see him touch the ball, like there's no passing uh, you, you know, for, for like the first six, eight, 10, 12 shots uh, that he ends up taking. He ended up, did end up with four assists in this game, which is very surprising to me because if you watch the way that he plays, he's so, so aggressive. And it, does, it looks like he hasn't found a shot that he does not like. Um, so, um, and, you know, he's, he's here and there occasionally touch five assists. But I think like you and I were, were both saying is like stop limiting the talent that you have on the roster, which is, I've been saying for basically every box score that we've come across for the past three times, you need to fit the square peg into the round hole because the square peg is loaded with talent like Will Barton and, you know, and Denver's not winning games. So if he's a little bit too much of a gunner, then, you know, put him in the starting lineup and let him make some hay and then let him figure out how to play alongside Danilo Gallinari and Jokic and, you know, work with Moutier. Cause I think there's just too many, too much upside for that guy. When we've seen what he is able to do with big time minutes, for you to limit him in his role. So we'll see how long it takes um, Michael on to figure that out. 
to back that up before we move along here, um, there's one game in particular that sticks out in my mind to serve as evidence for what you just said about um, Barton not being really a team player, and that's the January 2nd game against the Golden State Warriors, and that was an overtime game, of course. I believe that was where Draymond Green sat out. It was back-to-back games. They wanted to give him some rest, and of course the Warriors thought that they could get in there, get a clean win. That wasn't the case because Barton went for 21 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 steals, and played 15 minutes in that overtime uh, game, or 50 minutes in that over game, overtime game. But I will say, in the overtime and at the end of that game, when he had the ball, he was not passing that thing. There was absolutely no way. And he actually did a very good job at scoring and putting the team on his back. But, I mean, that is one bit of evidence where you could say, okay, I understand that he's not a team player because he had blinders on in that overtime in the last few minutes of that game. It worked out well for him in that circumstance. But uh, not surprising whatsoever there, Josh. I think that's a good, astute uh, observation from you because one of the more puzzling uh, fantasy questions for sure is the case, the rise and fall and the mediocre drop and and stay in the middle point of Will Barton. Um, So good observation there. We'll go ahead and move on to uh, the Utah Jazz beating the Houston Rockets 117 to 114. Jazz shook it up a little bit. They went with Shelvin Mack, newly acquired Shelvin Mack, in the starting lineup in place of Howell Neto. Um, Neto only comes off the bench for eight minutes. I said it all along. I thought Neto was one of the worst starters in the NBA, and that really was clear when the Jazz attempted to get Shelvin Mack. Mack played 32 minutes, put up 17 points, a rebound, two assists, and a steal. I really have no, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be the starter for the rest of the season. The only problem with his minutes going forward is that when Alec Burks comes back from that uh, ankle injury, I think that he could eat into Mack's minutes one way or another. But for now, I think you're going to have Shelvin Mack playing at least 30 minutes a game, and we know he can score. He did it a good job of doing that in Atlanta when Schroeder and Teague were out at points over the last couple years. So in terms of picking up and uh, trying to acquire Shelvin Mack, did you do a good job of that, Josh, or did you hold off? Yes, sir. Yes, I did. I originally was squatted on Ty Lawson, but once I saw that the Miggity Miggity Mac Daddy made his way over to Utah, I went and plucked him off the waiver wire in my league, which led to, um, you know, just grab free agents at will, like free for all. And then I put in a remaining, my remaining $36 fab bit of a budget of 100 on um, Return of the Mac. So, yes, yes, sir. I have in, in the two main leagues that I play in, Shelvin Mack is officially rostered for um, uh, my two teams here. All right. The good pickup. It's, it's kind of funny because he's just been kind of lingering in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, not seeing any playing time because you know that Teague and Schroeder don't even see enough minutes on the court because they take each other away um, from, from point guard duties. And so Mack was just stuck into a roll off the bench. But Mac wasn't one of those people we were saying, you know, if he goes somebody somewhere, look out for him. It's just perfect scenario for the Jazz to pick up somebody who's an upgrade. He by far is a better offensive option than Neto, and I would argue that he's even a little bit better on defense than Neto is as well. Um, so uh, hopefully you got him out there. If you haven't got him, go pick him up right now. He's going to be in the starting lineup, like I said, and playing at least 30 minutes. Trey Lyles comes off the bench, rookie Trey Lyles, for 17 minutes. Two games prior to that, he had only seen single-digit minutes. And so while 
he is seeing more or he did see more minutes than Trevor Booker. I think it's going to be a back and forth for the majority of the season ahead. I don't think there's going to be any clear minutes win it there. Um, maybe next season you might see Lyles take over in place of Booker. But as for now, uh, I, th- I think they'll stay pretty even. Looking at this Rocket squad, Josh, uh, James Harden goes for 42 points. We talked about Dwight Howard be wanting the most frustrating players in the league he plays 40 minutes only gets you 13 points and 16 rebounds and that's pretty disappointing considering that he goes seven for 14 from the free throw line so while you like the double double you're looking at the free throw percentage and saying in this particular case i'm not sure that his uh counting stats outweighed his um hurting you for free throw percentages yeah, I agree with you there as well. So, the, the the only thing that like sort of surprised me too is how um, how they were able to get Houston to play at like a breakneck pace. Or, I'm sorry, Utah to play at a breakneck pace because I felt like this was going to be a situation where you know Harden may be able to get his, but no one else is really going to be able to get anything because Harden can do a lot of damage out there on the perimeter and is going to be facing Rodney Hood, who you know is you know among that group is you know a decent defender, but it's definitely not a hot. Uh, like the highest quality defender that they have to offer. So for, you know, James Harden to get into the 40 print range and then to, to, to put like 230 to 230 points in this contest was like sort of interesting to me. So you, it is possible to pull um, Utah out of that sort of, you know, defensive mentality and force them to play back and forth even when at home. So that was a little bit surprising to me. I wouldn't have predicted that. Um, but, you know, for, aside from that, the only thing I'm really going to take away here is, you know, Dwight Howard, nice game, fine game, thirteen and sixteen with three blocks. You know, you'll take it. You're not upset. We still hate everything that that's happening at power forward. Trevor Ariza still is, you know, uh, like a, you know an average show who quietly produces. But Patrick Beverly to me is the official DFS cheat code. He's always cheap. He always plays big minutes. Is a good defender and will do things like this, like get four assists, three steals, three rebounds, and score in double digits. Make all his free throws. Hit a couple trays, and he's always cheap for DFS purposes. There's well, not as valuable in season long because he doesn't rack up a ton of stats, but is certainly ownable. But he's always the guy that I try to pair with, like Russell Westbrook and and um, you know Dame Lillard, Chris Paul, the other big point guards. Whenever I roster two guys. Um, in my DFS lineups to sort of balance out the salaries because he's he's a little Swiss Army knife, does a little bit of everything, and always seems to meet his price tag. Good breakdown there, Josh. Uh, one interesting thing about this game, and, and you mentioned it right from the start, is that the, the score is surprising. Jazz scoring 117 to 114 of the Houston, considering the Jazz only averaged 98 points per game. Um, and actually, the boys out in Vegas, out by you, Josh, had this game pegged at a low-scoring game where they only had, the last time I checked before game started, the Rockets scoring 98.5 points. And I think the Jazz they had at about 102, 103. So this surprised a lot of people. More so than anything, I think this is uh, what this shows is that the Jazz are becoming a very versatile team. So last year, when they were winning games in the second half of the season, it was because their defense was so good, not necessarily that they put on an offensive clinic or were able to just score a bunch of uh, buckets. This year, it seems like they can shut you down on defense, um, but what they've added to their overall repertoire, of course, this game went to overtime, um, which which helps with the over-under, of course, um, is that they can outscore you too. I mean, they have a starting five that can do that now, and I think Mac is a major part of that. And Trey Burt coming off the bench, I think he's an ideal six-man role 
uh, type of player. And so they're really starting to figure things out. It might be a little too late this season because of some injuries they had earlier in the year. But this is a pretty good team that's uh, learning a lot of tools. And Coach Quinn Snyder, coming over from the University of Missouri, has done quite a good job. Certainly a team to keep an eye on. Let's move on to the last game of the night. That, that is, of course, Tuesday. That's the Trailblazers beating up on the Nets 112 to 104. And the most interesting box scores, uh, we'll, we'll get to the Nets in a second here, though. But Lillard goes for 34, McCollum goes for 34. And hotly contested debate here this morning in the Rotowire Madison office, Josh, and I want you to settle it for me. Uh, myself and Shannon McEwen have been arguing about how good C.J. McCollum truly is. And if you've listened to this podcast or seen some of my tweets this year or really anything I've done, I haven't been high on McCollum because I always say, you know, if you're allowed to shoot 20 shots per game, there's a lot of NBA players like a Will Barton, like a Aaron Aflalo, even though Shannon disagrees with me, that if they're allowed to shoot 20 points per game, they're going to get you a lot of points just like McCollum is. So I think that for me, McCollum is a sell-high candidate in both fantasy and um, if I'm Mr. O'Shea out there, GM of Portland. Uh, but where do you come down on this? Where do you think McCollum true value is because right now what I see is a team that doesn't have any scores and so they're just allowing him to shoot an absurd amount of times per game well well here's my thing okay here's a prime example of what you're talking about and why Shannon is right unfortunately DJ okay um take a look Brandon Jennings prime example of a guy who like you know played for um, you know, the hometown team out there, the Milwaukee Bucks, played for the Detroit Pistons, was, you know, paid big money, you know, expected to, to produce, got all the shots that he want. This guy was a consistent, you know, 40, 30, 39, 39 38% f- uh, field goal sh- uh, percent shooter. He got a ton of volume. He took every shot that he wanted. He shot from deep. He was athletic talent, certainly a talented player, but... Take a look at C.J. McCollum, for example. First, um, last two seasons in the league, and I'm going to throw out the first season because it was his rookie year one and he only played 38 games, so the sample isn't nearly as good, especially in 12 and 15 minutes. Look at the minutes uptick from 12 to 15 to 35 minutes per game and the field goal percentage rise with him almost tripling the it, he is tripling the attempts and he's shooting 40% from three at six attempts per game, which is elite. So, and you know, and then you see that, you know, sort of as a part of the sample size, you know, either I think both things happened. I think he improved the free throw percentage and I think he was a better free throw shooter than he was. He just, he was getting, when you get 1.2 attempts per game, it's just not a great sample. And then you factor in the fact that he's playing the two, but still averaging a little bit over four assists per game and is a factor on defense uh, with 1.2 turnovers um, and, you know, scoring over 21 points per game. Yes, he does have a lot of opportunity because that roster is barren, but that means. How can you consider him a sell high necessarily? Where where are those shots going to go? Are they going to go to Park? You know, how can he be so harkless? Alan Crab, you know, there there really isn't anywhere else for these shots to go to. And he's a young player that they drafted and invested in. He was a lottery pick for them. So I think that um, Shannon's right. You need to stay invested in, in CJ McCollum. I loved him since the beginning of the preseason, and I still do. Okay. So CJ, McC- I'm willing to admit if I'm wrong. I'm just saying that I think his value is over-exaggerated because of the amount of shots he's taking. So let me just put this into perspective after I clear my throat because I want to get ready for this. I'm, I'm into this. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of field goals attempted per game, McCollum right now is ranked ninth 
in the NBA. And sure. the, the players ahead of him, let me just name off this laundry list of NBA All-Stars. DeMarcus Cousins, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Harden, LeBron James, Durant, Westbrook, Blake Griffin, and then you have CJ McCollum. Now if you look at all those players and you look at the bot and you look at the players, we'll just even go 5 down, so from 9 to 14, all of those players are averaging more points than McCollum is, but McCollum obviously is averaging the ninth most field goal attempts so he's attempting as many shots as any all-star is right now essentially but he's not quite scoring the same amount of points and I get the field goal percentage I get the three-point percentage but I'm just saying man if you give somebody that many shot attempts they're gonna do well and so while he is a very good young player and he you can even say he's efficient I just think that there's many players in the NBA who could be doing this exact same thing I have to wholeheartedly disagree for you. First of all, you have like players that are unfair matchups at this position because first of all, like the majority of that list that you just mentioned are the number one options on their team. Now let's go ahead and take all those shots away from Damian Lillard and put him in the reverse role and I'll let CJ McCollum be the number one guy. We've seen CJ McCollum ball like a like a number one option on a team when Damian Lillard has been hurt. So that's possible, and it's all capable, and it's within the repertoire. What we have to do to take a better look at this situation is filter it exactly down to shooting guards and compare apples to apples. All right, that's just the best way for you to do that. And so you eliminate all the centers and the people who get you know a bunch of shots, and, and then they get them at a high percentage because you don't really want to factor in those field goal percentages when you, every other shot's you know at the rim. So what you want to do is you want to take a look at guys at, at shooting our position who are elite, who play the same position as him, and then compare apples to apples there and then see where, where he's at. Now, taking a look at – I'm trying to – I wish I – I can't filter by shooting guard. I got, I got it right here for you, Josh. Okay. So you have Harden number one with the most field goals attempted at 19.2. McCollum would be second. Of course, we're just looking at shooting guards, 18.3. Then just going down real quick, it's DeRozan, Thompson, Wiggins, Butler, Wade, Beal, Middleton, Ellis – and out of those top 10, it looks like McCollum is outscoring everybody except for DeRozan and Harden. So you could arguably say that he is borderline the, all-star the, level. Borderline all-star level, arguably the third best um, or fourth best behind Clay Thompson, shooting guard in the league. So uh, I get it. I understand. Actually, fourth, fifth best because Jimmy Butler. So either way, it's, it's, it's borderline all-star level. So I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, I'm still going to hold out a little while longer. Um, just just just, pace, just based out of sure sass on my own part. <laughs> okay. um, so, so I'm on one uh, end of the spectrum, but I think Shannon is on a completely – uh, you know, obviously the other end. And let me just say uh, one thing that he told me this morning is that if he were the Blazers and he had to choose, if he was Neil O'Shea, if he was the GM of the Blazers and he had to choose between one or the other, not even choose, he's saying they should do this. They should get rid of Lillard and keep McCollum, let McCollum run points and obviously bring in a big man for for Lillard if you trade. Um, do you think that that's crazy or are you going to jump on board with Shannon all the way to the death of the both of you? Um, you know, I think I'm slightly below Shannon. Shannon sounds like he may have somehow been related to CJ McCollum by marriage or something <laughs> like that. But like, I, I think that you, we could at some point see like if Portland add some pieces in the roster, like he could make every case for him being like a, you know, an all-star behind Clay Thompson. If Clay Thompson's considered an all-star, I think he's an all-star. I think he's a better passer than Clay Thompson uh, personally, but I think Clay Thompson is just a better pure, like overall shoot the lights out type player, you know? So, um, I think CJ McCollum has a little bit more rounded game and more rounded skill set and has every reason to be considered a in that breath with with, with those guys. He just has 
you know, an absolute beast playing alongside him, just like Clay does, you know, in, you know, Damian Lillard along with Steph Curry for Clay Thompson. So that's where I put him. I think he's like sort of in that same little group that's going to be as, as, as Portland improves is going to get, you're going to hear more noise about CJ McCollum and, and him being, you know, a borderline all-star caliber player. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm willing to admit that that's fair. Um, we'll let things play out, most definitely. I, I don't think that the Blazers are going to part with Lillard or McCollum, but if they do, we'll certainly be breaking it down here. Josh, did you have a good di- night on DFS last night on DraftKings? How'd it go for you? Um, I, you know what? I had an okay time. I think I just sort of like 50, 50 broke even. I had some good exposure to cousins there, but like, I, I, I guessed a little bit wrong in a couple different spots. So it was, it's good enough for me to like be close to break even on in, in some spots. I, 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 I wish I had a little bit uh, better production out of, um, some of the, uh, the, uh, like the, the, the Phoenix guys. And was it yesterday that had the Phoenix Jamal Crawford game or is that the game before? Maybe I missed uh, two days ago. Okay, so I'm misremembering. Yeah, so yesterday was just a 50-50 split for me, and DeMarcus Cousins um, made everything um, bright and shiny for me. So, Yeah, definitely. I had a pretty solid night. I won, won a little money. I went with Mac Wall. Um, I got Cousins in the lineup, too. Like I said, I used Gallinari, and he didn't really pan out as much as I wanted him to. Gordon Hayward did pretty well for me, and uh, Aaron Gordon as well. So uh, solid night on DraftKings. Uh, sometimes shorter slates are tougher than the bigger ones depending on what type of strategies you you employ but of course you can join us on drafting you can be a part of the action all season long still have a lot of nba dfs competitions out there all you have to do is go to draftkings.com now and enter promo code rotowire to play for free draftkings of course it's the official partner of rotowire that's promo code rotowire or rotohoops at draftkings.com to play for free um I got some quick hitters here for you, Josh, like we always finish up our Wednesday pods with. Some injury news looking ahead to this Wednesday lineup slate. And obviously, if you get to this pod too late, I apologize. But you know what? It still is somewhat interesting to catch up on this injury news because usually Josh terses it out into more of a team dynamic than just a one-day dynamic. So without further ado, Josh, let's go ahead and get into it. All Uh, right. Larry Nance for the Los Angeles Lakers dealing with that little knee issue will be available Wednesday against the Grizzlies, although it seems like he's been coming off the bench and Julius Randle has been your front man, correct? Yes. Um, And they've already announced that what we thought was going to happen for quite some time now, which was um, start start DeAndre Russell and, and Larry Nance and stop messing around. You know, that's what we've been calling for this entire time. Like, develop your rookies because you don't have anything to play for. And, you know, if you, and if you actually think that they're not deserving of, 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 starter, of starting pl- playing spots because you actually like the talent behind them, which we don't think is actually true. But if you do, then you'd be playing for better. You'd have a better shot at ping pongs if, you, if that's exactly what you do. But so if that's it was exactly the case. So, um, yeah, that's that was my whole my whole take on the whole situation there. So they're finally doing the right thing. And, you know, uh, for team development standpoint and for 2016 17, they should be better for it. Josh, you know I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone out there listening to this. I'm a Thunder fan. Um, And I'm pretty jacked about these two bits of information here. That is that Deion Waiters will shift to the bench, baby. Going to the bench for Wednesday's game against the Mavericks. That means Andre Roberson will return directly into the starting lineup. For fantasy, I don't think it really means a whole lot. But in terms of team dynamic, I like it a lot. What's your take on it? 
Yeah, this is the role that he's man for. There's not, there's not enough um, uh, mouths to feed in the starting lineup with Katie and and, and R- R- Russell Westbrook, and then because and for the same reason, we know that Enos Cantor is more talented, and you know, like just for like a like a quality player, then you could say that like at least offensively, maybe you don't even agree that there, but like that Deion Wade is a more talented uh, scorer than Andre Roberson. It just makes more sense for the, the starting five dynamic for Roberson to be in there and at least try to play defense and let Deion Waiters and Cantor bomb away from the bench. Yeah, so Roberson missed the last 10 games with that knee injury, but he's going to go right back into the starting lineup. The thing that I have not enjoyed with Waiters being in the starting five is that for whatever reason, they have switched up their offensive offensive attack in that it's not the Russell Westbrook show for four possessions doing pick and rolls with Steven Adams and then faking and going in for his own buckets. And then you do that a few times, then you give it to KD and he does what he wants. For whatever reason, they've just been allowing waiters to sneak into that rotation. And it's just it doesn't make any sense for him to initiate the offense when you have a plethora of other options just with two other guys on the court. So the fact that Roberson is on the court and he'll just be kind of hiding in the corner, waiting and hoping for an open three, it makes Oklahoma City focus on what they're actually good at and not trying to implement Deion Waiters into the offense for no reason at all. So that's why I like it. We'll keep it moving, though. There's a whole lot of bias for you. I hope you appreciate it. Uh, Luol Dang, with that double dislocation of his finger, was a full participation or was a full participant rather in the Heat's morning shoot around and will be available for Wednesday's game against the Warriors. So a couple of days ago, Josh, in his last game, he suffered a double dislocation of his right middle finger, popped both of them back into place, kept playing along. It's not going to be issue, be an issue for him whatsoever. Um, sounds like he's a man, like a real tough guy. Is he forty? Is it, I'm a man. I'm forty. Come back to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that's you know that's 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 fair and fine. I'm gonna sort of like watch and see what happens with the next game so it actually affects him scoring wise. Because that doesn't sound like you're just gonna be the same guy rolling out there. You use your hand for everything, for dribbling, for shooting, for you know anything that that's active. So. Uh, I'll probably take a little bit of a wait and see, wait and see approach, and as long as everything looks good, then maybe we can return back to get, like normal usage for him wherever you do use him. But yeah, aside from the cautiously optimistic, is that okay to say? Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I think uh, you know if you're looking at DFS, I'm not sure that you would really attack him whatsoever because you do want to see how it's going to shape out, and I don't really think you were attacking him to begin with, and this certainly doesn't make you know doesn't bode well for for doing it now uh one more bit of heat information here bino udri will require three months three months to recover from surgery to repair a torn planar plate in his right foot what that means is that you've got goran Dragic, and then you have josh richardson at point guard for miami and after that that's pretty much it so this josh josh richardson guy a couple days ago he played 35 minutes against washington all that he was able to muster were five points, six rebounds, three assists, three blocks. I think it's a case where even though he's seeing a lot of time on the court because the Heat need somebody to occupy the point guard position, not so much am I going to pursue him in my DFS endeavors. Yeah, I totally agree there as well. So um, you you need a little bit more solid like feeling or concrete information about like where that those minutes and numbers in production are come from before you can say trustworthy option. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's I think that's completely fair. Another okay. one of those wait and see options just like with uh Luol Deng. 
Moving over to the newly acquired Anderson Verjao for the Golden State Warriors. He will be available off the bench Wednesday against the Heat, who we were just talking about. Now, Andy didn't really have much of a role with the Cavaliers, and I'm not sure why he would have much of a role with the Warriors, although it seems like he might be the primary backup to Andre Andrew Bogut over Maurice Spates. And we know that uh, the Warriors like to put Harrison Barnes at the five. They like to put Green at the five. So even though Verjao might be slotted as the second build center, not anything that we should put too much vested interest in though, right? No, unless for some reason you were using like Festus Azeli or like Andrew Bogut in leagues because we really are talking about like, you know, 12 to 22 minutes max for this guy. And, you know, Verjao has always shown that his like you know his range for everything that he does is basically like you know max probably 10 feet on in can occasionally hit like a 12 foot jumper when like when you know the shot clock's running down or something else like that but you know it's been like a formally productive uh, and an underrated option that you just like if you're just looking for like a cheap center option in deep leagues that's sort of the route that you may potentially be able to go as long as Bo gets starting you'd like him more than anybody else in spots and you know the rest from Verjao I think what we're actually going to see more than anything else is Verjao playing alongside Spates on the second team in the second and and Spates is a much better offensive option so you know carry on move forward Anderson Verjao thanks for showing up thanks for playing you're only relevant in like 20 team leagues Fair enough. Azili could return for the final week of the regular season, so the, the dynamic that Josh just talked about will probably be in place for quite some time. Uh, I want to get your pulse on the Cleveland Cavaliers backcourt, but before I do that, let me just give you a couple more bits of information here, Josh. Bo Williams will be available off the bench Wednesday against the Hornets. He had went and seen Dr. James Andrews. Turns out he just has an inflamed left knee. He really hasn't been playing that much to begin with, so he is available off the bench Wednesday. Not No guarantee that he'll play. One more piece here is that Iman Schumpert, with his shoulder injury, won't play Wednesday against the Hornets. So knowing those two bits of information, what do you think about the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers' backcourt tonight going up against the Hornets? Uh, you know what? That's, that's a good question for me because or for um, people out there because Kyrie Irving was coming off of bed bugs, so it really just sort of depends off of you know what the timetable for bed bugs are. You know how uh, you know how he slept the night before that. Um, you know, did, did he use a nightlight or a, like a like a glow in the dark? Um, you know, filter to take a look to make sure that he didn't have any recurring issues. For that, over for I've never heard of anybody leaving due to bed bugs. <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard of that before? No, this is definitely a first definitely a first and i love how the Cavs were just gonna be like, he's got flu-like symptoms and then Kyrie comes out yeah. like, no way man the hilton in oklahoma city is dirty is dirty he just outed that he was like i'm gonna kill some business for the hilton right now <laughs> yeah. put me up with some straight up bed bugs. what i don't get is why he talked about how um he slept on the couch i'm like dude dude your room has bed bugs all right tell him you want the penthouse now you know, I don't. Does he not know how upgrades work? You tell him you got a roach in your motel. Like they they owe you breakfast or half off your room or something. You know what I mean? Like he was no. All right, I'm just I'm just gonna sleep on the couch. And he's like didn't even sleep well, and it affected his game. So I don't know. From from I, I'm assuming that he's back. To, he got some rest and some health, and he's back to you know um you know full health, and we can just roll with him. And so you like Kari on one side for for where he's priced and for you know 
um, for you know obviously you probably just starting back in your, in your season long leagues and I also like Kemba on the other side because we know Ke- Kyrie Irving is not a great defender yeah most definitely J.R. Smith I might even give him a look I'm going to stay away from Matty Della Vadova Mo Williams while it's nice to know that he'll be available I don't think that he will necessarily even see any minutes off the court whatsoever Josh that's all I have for the breaking news I will say that you can find those breaking news 24-7 on our website at rotowire.com and if you'd like free 10 days access to all of the goodies the the rankings, the cheat sheets, the projections. I know MLB season is coming up, so if you play MLB, definitely want to check out our draft software or our preseason customizable rankings. And, of course, you can do that at rotowire.com forward slash pod. That's rotowire.com forward slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Josh, we're going into this Wednesday. We're back in the swing of things. I wish the best of luck to you and the rest of your DFS endeavors for the rest of the week, and uh, I guess we'll get back at it in one week. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for playing. And don't forget to order your uh, CG McCollum uh, jersey and, and get um, McCollum tattooed on your shoulder. Or if you want to go like full back tat, that's cool, too. Um, so that, that way you're like fully initiated into the club. So I'll say this. Um, just got some new I, I got a new chair at work. Uh, a couple weeks ago and it's been the envy of everybody and uh people steal it you know i don't work on the weekends and so people come in i come in on monday and Mm -hmm. it's at some random desk don't really appreciate (laughs) that much whatsoever so if anybody wanted to send me a cj mccullum triple xl jersey i would happily drape it over my chair to claim (laughs) that as my spot so uh you you need to go next level on your on on your chair game all right so Show up to the roto office, and what you need to do is bike chain that's that thing to <laughs> to your like file cabinet or like the post or something like the little hole where they run the wires from the computer to the desk, dude. You know what I mean? And then like leave a little note there at the bottom where like, um, boom, bitches, this is the property of DJ Trainer. You know, there you go. And what better just a clear way, clear path than just to solidify my chair being at my desk throughout the whole weekend with the CJ McCollum jersey draped over the back. Um, I'll take it. Hit me up on Twitter, folks, at TrainerDJ. I will gladly take all CJ McCollum jerseys that you want to send me, maybe a nice throwback, whatever you want. If you want to throw Josh a little swag, too, hit him up on Twitter, at JoshHayesFS. That's going to do it for us on this Wednesday edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. See ya. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.